after excuse after excuse. Notice Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. The first couple of chapters as we're introduced to Moses, we really look at about two-thirds of his life boiled down into one or one and a half chapters. By the time we meet up with him in Exodus chapter 3, he's 80 years old. He only lived to be 120. And so when he is 80 years old, he has become a a shepherd. And he is on the mountain looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And he comes to a very odd bush. You and I have probably seen bushes that have been on fire. And he probably had too. But the bush he sees here today in Exodus chapter 3 is a bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Now, I've seen a lot of things go into a fire, and I've seen how a lot of things don't really come out of a fire, but I've never seen a bush that's been on fire that hasn't burnt up. And here he's standing before this, and in verse 4 he finds out that it's the very presence of the Lord, and he takes his, his shoes off and begins to worship That flame because it is the very presence of the Lord. At that point in time, God says to to Moses, I have a job for you. The job that I have for you is to lead my people out of Egyptian captivity. They've been there long enough. It's time for them to go. That's a big task. That's a scary job. Moses, instead of finding himself and saying, I I think I can do it, God has faith in me, God has confidence in me, he begins to look at who he is and what he is and begins to make an excuse. And in Exodus uh, chapter as we do that, I'd like to look at us too. Because sometimes we fall right in line with Moses, unfortunately. Sometimes we find our excuse, and they're very close to what he said. We find in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, and in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 8 or 9 and 10, uh, that we are given some commands. Go and teach the world. You'll be different from the world. You'll be that shining light, and yet we say... You know, God, I, I think I but what if I, we look for those excuses sometimes. Let's notice what Moses did and, and perhaps sometimes what we do and, and how we can avoid those things. In, the, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11, as God comes to Moses and says, I want you to lead my people out of Egyptian captivity, Moses says, who am I? Look at me. I'm nobody. I'm I'm just an 80-year-old old shepherd. I've been living out here, and and my back is sore, and my my hips hurt, and I, I sleep outside in the stars. Who am I? The first couple of chapters of the book of Exodus, we really find out how Moses began life. Moses would have been considered by most in the world as the grandson of the most powerful man to walk the earth at that time. He would have been the grandson of the Pharaoh. You remember that event in his life? When all the children were to be uh, eradicated and his mother saw him as a good child and put him in those bulrushes. And, And who found him but Pharaoh's daughter? 
And he was raised within that house and he had the best education in the world and he found himself as being one of those that people would respect simply because of where he came from. In an event in which he killed an Egyptian because of the way they were treating a Hebrew, forced him into the desert, into the wilderness. And he finds himself tending sheep for his father-in-law. Who am I? I'm just a, just a shepherd. <laughs> Who am I? In Exodus chapter 3, in verse number 12, God said this phrase, Certainly I will be with thee. Moses, who am I is not an excuse because I'm going with you. The, the reasoning behind that is who are we? See, when Moses and God go, then you have there the majority. It's not any more of who am I. But today we kind of use those same excuses, don't we? In Acts chapter 4 and verse number 13, as those apostles are moving from one place to another, they see a couple of men on the road there, and they notice that they are unlearned and ignorant, but they have been around Jesus the Christ. In Matthew chapter 20 and ver or 28 and verse 20, Jesus said, You go and teach those things all that I've commanded you. You see, we, we look at those things and perhaps we say to ourselves, Who am I to teach someone? I feel like those untrained and ignorant men. Yeah, but those untrained and ignorant men from Acts chapter 4 had one thing going for them. When those apostles met them, they knew right off the bat that they had been with Jesus. They knew exactly who they had been with. And we look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, and at times we, we misapply that within our lives. But look at it one more time. As Peter would write by inspiration that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of times we look at that and we, we apply that to every single facet of our life and perhaps in principle, uh, following after God, those things would be that way. But as Paul writes it, he's writing it to say this way, I will do all things through Christ who strengthens me uh, into the, the uh, commands that God has given to me. And if he's given me commands to go and to teach, uh, there's no way I can look at him and say, who am I? God's answer is going to be, you're my child. Now go. Notice this in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13. Moses says, okay, all right, I know who I am. What am I going to say? You know, when Moses speaks to God and says, what shall I say? When we speak to God, he already knows the questions that we're going to have. And so God answers him fairly quickly in verses 14 and 15. And he says, what am I going to say? You say that I am that I am sent you. You say that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the one who sent you. And he kind of would seemingly in my mind take a step back and say, oh, oh, really? Look at that authority. What shall I say? Tell them the authority of God has sent you. Today, unfortunately, at times we try those same things, don't we? What am I going to say? I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to every question. All right, everybody pull in real close. I don't either. 
I don't know the, the answer to every question. I appreciate you thinking I do, <laughs> but I don't. And I'm going to even pull the cover back further on you. Michael doesn't know the answer to every question, a, a lot of them, but not every one of them. We don't have to know the answer to every question to fulfill Mark chapter 16 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus says, you go and you teach them and you baptize those who believe. And in, Mark, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, he said, I'm going to give you the gospel in, in two verses as quickly as I can. Jesus who came and died, as the scripture said, was raised the third day, as the scripture said, and now sits on the right hand of the throne of the God, as the scripture says. Isn't that interesting? Just that easy. We can teach the gospel to those who are around us. And perhaps we take a, an opportunity to teach it in the same fashion in which Paul taught it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2 when he said, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. I came to you trembling. I was scared to death when I stood before you. I, I didn't know what I was going to say and, and my, my voice was quivery. But he still stood up there and said, Jesus the Christ, who was sent to earth, as the scripture said, died, as the scripture said, was resurrected, as the scripture said, now sits on the right hand of the throne of God, as the scripture said. We can't use the idea of, what am I going to say? That's just not going to work. Notice what else uh, Moses said in Moses chapter, or Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. Moses said, suppose they won't believe me. Well, suppose they won't. They have been exposed to Moses for 40 years and then 40 years of silence. And, and what they've seen from Moses in the 40 years is that he lived in the house of their oppressors, that he knew about, at least knew somewhat about the, uh, the uh, Hebrews, uh, not, probably not understanding that he is a Hebrew himself. They understand that he killed a man and they ran off and were scared. That's probably what they know about Moses. But Moses has a fallacy in his question because God's not asking them to believe in Moses. As a matter of fact, God is saying this, it's not about you, Moses. God's not asking them to believe in Moses as a person. He's asking them to believe in God as a God. You know, sometimes we have problems here Especially me. I don't know if you're like this. Probably not. You're all good folks. Yeah, I like it to be about me. Am I, am I the only one? I like when things are about me. I like when things are done for me. I like, oh yeah, I like that. There's got to be a point in time in which spiritually I at least grow up a little bit and realize that this life and this congregation and, and the, the, uh, the ongoing of the kingdom of God is not about me. Sometimes we hesitate and we look at the, the idea of, of who am I because we are afraid of, of failing. A couple of weeks ago, on a Saturday, there were 13 of us who met here and went 
three or four different directions, had an opportunity that morning just for a few hours to knock on 571 doors in our community. Of of the 571 doors, uh, I had a group with me, and I guess we knocked somewhere around 200, maybe, somewhere roughly. You know what all those people did? They would we'd knock on the door, and they would, they would open that door, and they would say, we've been waiting on y'all. Come on in here. Sit down at the table. Let's have a Bible study. Let's enjoy our time together. Would you like some cookies? I got some milk. Hmm. A lot of them would look out the blind and close the blind and never even open the door. A lot of them, a couple of them, told me I don't even want to hear that and close the door. You know, it really, really hurts your ego when somebody closes the door on you. That didn't stop us, though, from going to the next house talking to the next person who was out, finding some members of the church who lived right around us that we didn't even know about. We can't be afraid or afraid that something won't go our way. Notice this. When you have to explain the creation to your friends who are not associated with any kind of denomination or even those who are denominationalist, do you have a difficult time doing that? When you have to explain the resurrection, do you have a difficult time doing that? Those are two hard ones. You have a difficult time explaining the church and its uniqueness being only one that Jesus the Christ created. Do you have a difficult time teaching others about baptism? Those we should not have. We should not have those hard times about those things. You're a member of the church. And you know what you did to become a member? Teach them that. But sometimes we use those excuses because we're afraid to fail. Notice Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10. There Moses said, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Isn't that lovely? You know what that means? I don't think quick on my feet and sometimes I stammer. As if God can't make up for that. As if God, the one who created the entire human body and all of its uh, systems, cannot, by inspiration, make you speak slowly and perfectly to someone so that they understand it. Moses, you're going to be inspired and you're going to be a prophet. Exodus chapter 4, verses 12 and 14. He said, you, you, stay, you stick with me and I will make sure that they understand who you are. Sometimes... We lean on this excuse, don't we? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we've already looked at it one time. You see Paul there mentioning being uh, not eloquent in his speech, but that if he did anything, he stood behind the cross of Christ and would, would let that shine out in front. Perhaps sometimes we say, I stammer or I get too nervous. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. For all of us who have uh, been here understanding on Sunday night uh, Brother Heath preaching for us. Up until this week, I wasn't thinking too much about that. You think he gets nervous? 
think he stammers at times. Even at times, he will uh, call attention as we are studying with him to a, a stutter that he has. And it is, unless he is out of town, every week I see him sitting right there. And every week he walks up here. And every week he continues that Bible study. Why? He doesn't use that in his excuse. Maybe, maybe I'm not like brother so-and-so. Maybe I'm not like the Apostle Paul. So I can't... You know what? You know what God has not told me I need to be? The Apostle Paul. What God has said to me is, you need to be the best that you can be. You need to do the best that you can do. You need to stop making excuses. You know what I need to say to that? Yes, sir. That's what I need to say. Notice this. Notice chapter, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 13. Here's the reason. A reason for all of these excuses that he's making. He said, please, please send anyone else. That's, that's the reason, brethren, right there in a nutshell. Moses just doesn't want to go and do it. In Exodus chapter 14, verses four, or 4, verses 14 through 17, God tells him, you go. And I'm going to send with you your brother Aaron. I know he is, is uh, excellent in speech. I know that he's not afraid to stand up in front of people. And I want you to go and free my children. And unfortunately for us, today we use this same kind of reason. We don't use an excuse, we use this reason. I, I just don't want to go, or I just don't want to do, or, or can't God use someone else? Or doesn't God want me to do something else? No, He doesn't. He wants us to do what He has told us to do. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but as I look over this particular crowd of people, I see both men and women who have children. We love our children very much, don't we? Do anything for them. But when I require something from my children, I expect them to do it. For example, I want you to clean your room. And perhaps, oh, I almost fell right there. Perhaps they don't go clean their room, but they go clean out my truck and they wash it and they wax it. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> Let's suppose they did all of that. And I came to them and I said, girls, did you clean your room? And they said, no, but what we did do was we cleaned your truck and we washed your truck and we waxed your truck so that it looks like it just came off the showroom. Is their father going to be happy with that? And you, you shake your head and say, no, no, no. And we understand that in the trivial idea of our families. Let's see. No, I'm not going to change how I say that. And then our brains fall out of our heads when we go into the idea of religion, thinking God wants one thing other than what He said He wanted. What are we doing? 
When God, our Father, gives us command, do that. We have to stop making excuses. Moses stopped making excuses. Moses went to Egypt. Moses was the catalyst for a ten-point sermon by God. Moses led those children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity to the Mount of Sinai, got a law, and then moved them into the wilderness until Joshua could come and move them into the promised land because he either ran out of excuses or he got frustrated with God kind of squashing every excuse that he had. What Moses found out is excuses with God don't work. The rest of his story is that he's found doing what God said to do, living a good, faithful life to God. He's even mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 that, that hall of fame that you and I look at those lists of people and we think, if I can live like that guy, I can do okay. There he is. That one who did make excuse and yet doesn't anymore. What would happen? What would happen if I stopped making excuses? You know, in two weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to begin a, a three or four, I guess it would be three day, four day, however many days, opportunity to be here and to feed on God's Word for about 12 hours a day. Or are you going to be here? I know about school and I understand about jobs. But when you have the chance, are you going to be? You know, the weekend right before that, that Friday and Saturday of the 25th and 26th, less than two weeks, we're going to have a youth event. Are you going to be here? Are you going to make sure your youth are here? Well, you know, we've got to... We don't, we don't have to start that over again, do we? We have to stop making excuses and start working for God. Understand this. Both Blaze and Spark are going to be a success because there will be people here who hear the Word of God and have those things apply to their life. It will be a success. But it can be a greater success if I don't make excuses. If I invite and if I make sure my family is here and if I do those things that I can for the kingdom of God. Moses is a good example to follow. Most of the time. Please don't follow Moses in the art of excuses. Because here is the final excuse you will make. Well, I was going to God, but I ran out of time 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Paul would write by inspiration today is the day of salvation tomorrow may be too late 
And realistically, when we meet back again at 6 o'clock, could be too late. Why not become a member of the church today? If you've never done those things, it's extremely simple. Why not hear what God has to say and believe those things? John 8 and verse 24. Why not repent of your sin? Luke 13, 3 and 5. Why not confess Jesus as the Christ? Matthew 10, 32. And be baptized in water for the remission of your sins? Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And be raised to walk in a newness of life? Romans 6, 1 through 4. You then can walk out of these doors with an eternity secure in Christ. Secure in the blood that was shed on that cross some 2,000 years ago as it overflows your body and you stand before God drenched in that blood and He says, that one's mine. That could be you today if you've never done those things. And brother or sister, if you have done those things and, and as you put your life up against the standard of God's Word and you find yourself falling short, you find yourself in the wrong, Change. Come back home to a God that loves you. Come back home to a family that misses you. Right now, while we stand and while we sing. There's a fountain free.